You're listening to episode 231 of the Ruby on Rails podcast. I am your host, Kyle Daigle. This week, I'm joined by Britt, uh, who's coming back for the second time. Very excited. Uh, we talk a little bit about how they keep ticket sites from going down and uh, some technologies that Britt's looking to use uh, in her application, uh, and also how roller derby plays into public speaking that she's about to do. So if you've ever wanted to do some public speaking, there's some great uh, discussion in this episode. So give it a listen. Britt and me this week. Uh, I'd love it if you could share the episodes uh, after we talk tweet them or, or in iTunes, please share them with a friend uh, or leave a review in iTunes. Both of those things really help us out uh, and we'll be back uh, next week. This episode of the Ruby on Rails podcast is sponsored in part by Linode. Linode is a hosting company offering high performance Linux servers for all of your infrastructure needs. Linode has it all, lightning quick servers in the cloud, a super fast 40 gigabits per second network, automated backup, node balancers, managed services, guides with step-by-step instructions, a simple but powerful control panel, 99.9% uptime, 24 by 7 support experts, and all of the tools you need to get the job done right the first time. And now Linode offers two gigabytes of RAM for only $10 a month. Linode is a really great platform. I really love the guides. Um, When I was spinning up servers a bunch of times, it was really helpful to go check out the guides and get a quick server up and running uh, with their small box, which is only uh, 10 bucks a month. You can also try out their new one gigabyte plan for $5 a month, and they have much larger plans as well. High memory plans starting at 16 gigabytes for $60 a month, and an upgrade in storage from 24 gigabytes to 30 gigabytes on their two gigabyte plan, still only $10 a month. 400,000 customers trust Linode, including 5x5, the podcast network you're listening to right now, uh, very happily. So to support this show and get a $20 Linode credit on a new account, please visit promo.linode.com slash Ruby on Rails. Again, go check out Linode. Great hosting, really small plans up to big plans, everything you need to get your server started. Simple, powerful, reliable, linode.com. Check out promo.linode.com slash Ruby on Rails. This episode is also sponsored in part by Rollbar. So Rollbar helps you find errors in your applications. Instead of having to dig through log files or maybe using another tool that handles errors, Rollbar helps you by putting all the information in one place. Uh, You can use it with uh, Ruby, you can use it with JavaScript, you can send the errors to your chat application like Slack or HipChat automatically create new issues in Jira, Pivotal Tracker, and Trello. It has a really cool feature where the backtraces are linked to GitHub if you link your GitHub account. So you can just see the line of code, click it, and open it right up on GitHub. You can also send request data from any rack framework like parameters, headers, cookies, session data, and it has support for queue frameworks built in. So it's a really great tool to help you find errors that your users are experiencing and solve them quickly. We have a special offer for listeners. Go to rollbar.com ruby, sign up and get the bootstrap plan for free. Rollbar is loved by developers at awesome companies like Heroku, Twilio, Kayak, Zendesk, Twitch, and more. So go give Rollbar a try today. Go to rollbar.com ruby, sign up and get the bootstrap plan for free. Thank you to our sponsors and now on to the show. Brit, 
where have you been all my life since last since we recorded in like <laughs> in like March or something, April? So many places. I've been yes. to New York, New Orleans, <laughs> San Francisco, the bottom of the ocean. I mean, <laughs> now I'm just kidding. Wow. But- <laughs> While your episode recording sat in a closet in my Dropbox folder for <laughs> way too many weeks. My apologies for the uh, delay, but you're here again. I am here again. And, you know, I just want to give a shout out to my husband's uncle who <laughs> listened to our episode as soon as it came out. He had absolutely no idea what we were talking about, but he loved it. So shout out to Uncle Johnny. Awesome. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, my wife frequently listens to the podcast and uh, depending on what we're talking about, uh, she either enjoys herself or, or, or doesn't entirely understand what's going on either. But thanks to the support of family members. <laughs> agreed. Agreed. Keep it coming. Um, so what have you been working on since we last uh, we last spoke? Yeah, so currently my stomach is full of butterflies Uh because I am headed to a conference next week. I originally was not speaking at this conference at all, and now I'm speaking three times. Whoa, (laughs) three times. That's intense. Three times. So I'm going to be giving a talk on defensive coding in a web security talk. I'm going to be speaking on a women in IT panel, which I'm really pumped about. This is the first time they're having that at this conference. And then I'm doing this five minute long talk in front of the entire conference, which doesn't seem that crazy, but basically it's five minutes long and every 15 seconds your, your slide auto advances. So trying to get the timing down. So let me tell you a little bit about this conference. It's called Tessatora. It's called the Tessatora learning and community conference. This is the arts API that our Ruby on rails application plugs into. Okay. And so I am going to be giving this five minute long talk about how to onboard new employees by looking to lessons in roller derby. Ooh. So it should be really fun. Um, there's been heavy debate at work whether or not I will actually put on skates. I'm definitely <laughs> leaning on the no. <laughs> oh, man. I, I would be more, way more nervous about the skates than I would be about giving the talk, I think. But then again, I don't do I, roller derby, so you're, you're better than me by far. <laughs> I think it would be really funny. So I keep telling people, I'm like, if someone goes viral, uh, you know, on this certain day, (laughs) it's me. And so I'll be hiring a PR form, you know, after I flip off stage. But anywho, (laughs) so I know that I know that you gave a big talk at GitHub Universe, and I'd love to hear your thoughts about how you prep for a big talk. (laughs) Sure. Yeah. I mean, this is funny in part because I've talked to some um like of my colleagues and I feel like everyone takes very different approaches to talks. Uh, you know, I mean, I, I have, uh, one, uh, one friend that gives talks and they are basically rehearsing the talk, like completely end to end a multitude of times. And to be honest, for me, I don't personally find that to be too helpful because I really, uh, enjoy sort of the, like give to get from the audience when I'm actually, you know, talking to them. And so my fear has been sometimes when I practice talks too much, uh, that I end up sort of just, um, performing a talk in, you know, instead of necessarily like giving a talk. Now, to be fair, I think that it also matters like the scale of the talk. So like, for example, I think in the talks, uh, the talk that you mentioned where, you know, it's like an ignite talk or like a lightning talk where the things are, uh, the slides automatically advance. I think that is essentially, in my mind, a five minute performance, right? Like you can't really sort of 
you know, get much from the audience and sort of, you know, take your time or evolve because the slides are going to keep going. And so for that talk, I definitely think, you know, sitting down in front of uh, your computer with speaker notes, uh, g- God bless speaker notes, and, you yes. know, trying to like really just nail it and get it sort of basically like a, you know, a, a one woman show, I think is uh, a, a great move. I think for me, though, when it comes to like the bigger talks um, where it's, you know, a 30 minute or a 40 minute or a one hour, you know, slot, um, I tend to sort of just practice segments um, instead of necessarily doing like the entire thing. Uh, and, and I think it works okay for me. Like, you know, I think that I've had sometimes where I've given talks and I've just been like, okay, that's, that did, you know, that, that accomplished its goal, but it, it doesn't necessarily feel like I really nailed it. And there are other times where I, I get off stage and I just think, man, I absolutely nailed it. But for me, the thing that I, I really enjoy about giving talks is just the like, hearing the audience and like watching people's faces and seeing if things are like really hitting because if they are you can like expand slightly on them uh but if they're not then you can kind of just move along uh and to be honest i don't know a lot of people that i've talked to that give talks that way so i don't know if i'm doing a poor job uh to be just totally uh open about it um but that's sort of always been the thing for me and why I enjoy giving them is sort of that, you know, not quite interaction because it's not really Q&A, but it's, you know, saying something, looking around and seeing if people are engaged and then realizing uh, either, oh, this audience is just going to sit here or like this isn't really something that they're particularly interested in. And you can kind of gauge that, you know, as you go along. But if you focus on bigger talks and chunks, then you sort of can like enter in the zone for, you know, five minutes or whatever, or 10 minutes, and then, you know, go to the next piece instead of having to worry about, okay, I really got to nail this entire 30 minutes or, you know, 60 minutes uh, by practicing it over and over and over again. Agreed. And one thing that's really nice is that the organization I work for, we like, we bust into this conference. So we have about 30 people that go. Oh, wow. And so it's going to be a talk in front of about 2000, which my, my max right now is probably a hundred. So this is definitely, you know, definitely bigger than I'm used to, but I'm going to basically strategically place them throughout the audience and just have them nod their heads. So, <laughs> you know, if I can catch someone nodding their head, I think that's going to give me the confidence to just, just keep barreling through. I think you're completely right. Yeah. When, when I was at the, um, uh, GitHub satellite event in London, uh, I think in May, uh, I, I very distinctly remember a couple of GitHubbers in the left, like that I could I could very easily see, and I was very thankful to see, um, because one of the things I I was kind of warned about, which is very interesting, I don't think this necessarily applies, uh, but given this is uh, to your talks, but given this is a you know an international audience of podcast folks, uh, I was warned that you know. The, the folks uh, that were at the conference in London probably weren't going to like respond to you like they weren't really going to engage or they weren't going to like laugh or yuck it up if you kind of made like really? a little joke and sure enough like it just didn't happen either and so unlike you know in say um, you know at, at Universe or at another conference in, in the US where folks tend to chuckle if you make a joke or you know, uh, uh, will we'll kind of really be a little bit more raucous. It was a very interesting experience because whatever I was saying, like, didn't really like there was <laughs> there was kind of like a moment I distinctly remember where I said something and I kind of did a pause because 
I found that pauses are really great to kind of like collect yourself, especially if you're a person that naturally talks too fast, which I, yes. I'll put myself in. Um, Me too. And so I've like had to force, I basically have started to use um, shorthand in my speaker notes. Um, so that way I can basically like force myself to make a pause because I'll forget to and I'll see the little symbol and I'll go like, oh, okay take a deep breath and it was pretty funny because nobody did anything and there was sort of a natural like applause moment I guess kind of I wasn't really expecting it but it didn't really happen and then at the very end I'm assuming uh one of the hovers was like oh geez I should probably clap and like get this going and it was like the saddest <laughs> like most awkward applause ever and I was just kind of standing there like oh no this is so horrible I tried to like move it along and make my pauses be a little distinct <laughs> oh that's uh, too funny but it's well, like one of those things that i think uh uh you know it ended up being a, a particularly good tip especially in the larger crowds where you can't really engage with everyone you know you're kind yes. of like awkwardly looking backwards and saying oh i know there are humans back there and you're looking in the front row maybe you can see their faces but um i i found that the more people hasn't necessarily been more nerve-wracking as much as it's more like amorphous there's less to take back from from speaking to a larger group i think what's going to be interesting is because i'm i'm relatively new to this like arts community it's a very touchy feely conference it's not like RailsConf where you might get like a fist bump and a sticker <laughs> um at this conference you're getting like hugs and like just a very loving group and so I don't know them as well as like as I do like the Rails community. And so what'll be nice is I'll come off stage and I'm sure people will talk to me like we have they have a big party that night. Mm -hmm. And it'll be just nice to have that to start conversations with our, our parties on a naval ship afterwards. Oh, that's so cool. I'm really pumped. <laughs> My Instagram game is going to be off the hook that <laughs> night. I'll tell you that. <laughs> but um, I just think it's going to be really fun to just have something to talk about. And so, you know, I, I'll probably wear the same outfit that I wear on stage just so people can easily find me and things like that. And what's fun, too, is the stage is circular. So, like, you kind of need to walk around the stage to, like, engage everybody. Sure. And so I like to pace while I'm walking, like while I'm talking on the phone. And I think that's actually going to calm me down, too, because it's like I won't stare at one person who might be bored. Like if I just keep moving, like it'll just become more and more interesting. So, yeah, should be good. Yeah, for sure. I think that like I, I'm, I'm sort of the same way, like when I go to conferences and I'm not with a group, you know, necessarily or if I'm by myself, I find that speaking makes them a lot more fun because now you have an excuse to meet a lot of people. Um, I recently did a conference where unfortunately that didn't really pan out for me because I was in the last uh, speaking slot. And so oh, by the time too. they, <laughs> I know by the time they like talked to me, it was like, oh, and it was the last day. So it was like completely no reason to go talk to me after this because everyone was just like, oh, I'll just go home now. Um, and so it was like a little bit of a bummer. But normally, yeah, like I totally agree with you, like wearing the same outfit, you know, calling out to people say like, yeah, please like please feel comfortable to come up to me after the talk or follow me on Twitter if you want to follow up. You know, uh, I found that definitely to be a um, a great way to meet people, especially if you're like not extroverted in the sense where you're just going to go to a conference and just walk up to people and say, hi, my name's Kyle. You know, what do you do? Um, and because that is not <laughs> uh, that is not me. <laughs> 
So the same thing happened to me. I did a conference in Canada last year where I got the last speaking slot on the last day and it was on my birthday. And so <laughs> my my boss was like, you should cash in the birthday card and see if you can get another slot. <laughs> I was like, I can't do that. That's not cool. So I ended up doing it. It was a lot of fun. They all sang happy birthday to me. So it was really Aww, fun. That's awesome. But uh, it was a good experience and it was definitely a, a good one to ramp up for this conference. But yeah, so I wanted to mention the web security talk too, mm -hmm. because I'm just doing like a short stint on that, but I wanted to talk about one of the services that I'm gonna be talking about during that talk, which is very Rails related. Okay. I use a service that's called DeppBot. Have you ever heard of it before? No, I haven't. No one ever has. <laughs> it's like one of my favorite things though. It's a relatively new service. It's been around for maybe like a year. And basically all it does is it does scheduled pull requests of security dependencies on your repos. Oh, okay. So basically once a week you, you schedule it on your repositories and once a week it will open a pull request and it will assign it to myself and it will uh, write out all the change logs of the gems that have been changed and like why I should upgrade to this version of this gem. And so it's been really cool because it definitely keeps all of my rails. So I manage like three to four rails repositories at work and it's nice to yeah. keep those all mm -hmm. up to date. I know that, you know, if some sort of security update goes out, I can apply that pretty quick just because DeppBot watches. Now DeppBot does do this funny thing. So at one point I had it scheduled where it was running those updates on like Wednesday. But lately it's been slipping more and more and it's been opening pull requests on like Saturday night at like four in the morning. <laughs> so I'm like, can I somehow change this to make it look like I'm opening the pull request at four in the morning on a Saturday? Because that would be really convenient. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, I, I know I've I've heard of other services like in the in the general space and, and just because I had a little bit of trouble Googling this, it's deppbot D E P P B O T dot com. Yep. Um, <laughs> and they couldn't get D-E-P-B-O-T, and then they shrugged their shoulders and said, well, Johnny Depp's pretty cool, so we'll keep the same. <laughs> yeah, and it looks like Depp Bot with just one P is actually another like software project, too, so it was a little oh. bit confusing. Um, but anyway, but yeah, D-E-P-P-B-O-T dot com. Um, but yeah, uh, GitHub has an internal tool um, that we use for deployment that also does this sort oh. of thing where when, you know, Rails comes out with a vulnerability or Ruby does, it basically goes across everything that it knows it can deploy and, and opens up an issue. So it doesn't go as far as to open up a pull request, but it opens up an issue that's like, hey, you're using um, Rails, you know, 510 and 513 just came out and you need to fix this, you know? Um, and so that's not exactly a, an automated process, but it's something that I think really makes a big difference with, um, companies that have a ton of Rails apps or like consultancies, you know, before I joined GitHub when I was doing like, uh, primarily just freelance work, like these services were really, really helpful because I have like, five or six or seven clients that maybe I haven't touched in, you know, months even, but we have like an agreement that I'm going to keep things running or whatever. Um, and they're all different rails versions because not every client wants to pay to go every single bump, right? They just want to go up when they absolutely have to. And so, uh, I think services like this, uh, whether you do it automatically or follow Ruby gems or use something like libraries.io, which is a really cool service that, um, can email you when new gem versions come out. Um, 
or what is the other one? I think Gymnasium. Um, does oh yes, somewhere. Gymnasium. I've heard of that one. And then there's Dependency I, yep. which I think is a great name. Yep. And I think Dependency I <laughs> is from Libraries.io. Actually, they right? it is. Okay. It is. Um, so there's yep. like yeah, there's a ton of interesting um, services in this space to to give a look to if you're doing Ruby or Rails, just to make sure that. Um, uh, you know, you're keeping up with security updates, but also, I think I talked about this on a previous uh, Rails podcast episode, but especially for larger companies or companies that are like about to be acquired or um, consultancies, some of these can also check that your licenses are compatible um, or that licenses exist because sometimes Rails, uh, you know, sometimes gems don't have good licenses or any licenses or you might have accidentally used a gem that had a license that doesn't really um, you know, match what you need to do. Uh, and so if you, even if the security thing doesn't sound that interesting, I know that the license thing is usually kind of like a quick added benefit that it can keep, it can keep track of the licenses and make sure that you're not going to put in like, um, uh, like LGPL license or something in the middle of your commercial project where you didn't really intend to. Um, That's a great idea. And really at this point, I just try to automate as many of these things as possible because, you know, I enjoy writing code and not <laughs> thinking about gems. these kinds of things. Yeah. And so, you know, we use code climate too. So every pull request we open, code climate gets run against it. And because of that, we have Breakman running against all of our mm -hmm. code as well. And so there's been many times where I've opened up a pull request and it's like, no, 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 no. <laughs> you, you, you created a couple issues. And so I, I like having that check and balance, especially because I'm on a two person dev team where mm -hmm. I'm the only back end web developer. Ah. And so we check each other. You know, my my partner is my uh, uh, front end web developer and we do check each other when we can. But we, we basically need as many automated systems as possible to make sure that we're writing clean code. And I, I'm sure that's true for bootcamp students. It's true for people that are freelancing. You want to have a check and balance just because it, it's tough when you're not on a big team. Yeah, that's really interesting, though, because I, I, I will say that I've always kind of considered those tools to be tools that benefit teams, you know. Um, mm -hmm. But I guess that makes a lot more sense, to be honest, just to, you know, serve a single or a, a duo or, you know, a triplet or whatever, um, because there's probably even less people that can review the code or, or maybe even have the experience necessary to review the code. Um, Agreed. So that, that's, that's I, really I always felt like the style tools like um, I think Hound is one of them yep, Hound CI. where it will stop you from like leaving white space in. So that way you don't have to be that coworker who makes the petty <laughs> comment on the pull request being like, really think this white space should be deleted. I like that it saves those kind of arguments. But yeah, I completely agree. Both of those tools can be good for teams or individuals. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, so I was going to mention, uh -oh. so this, this will be, <laughs> this will be an ongoing drama for me, but, um, so I'm still working on that nonprofit project that I mentioned on the last episode that I came through the hackathon. And so now I'm redoing it with my coworker and we are basically at a point where we want to try out action cable, which okay. I have not used it yet at all. And I'm really eager to, to, to use it because, we, we have a work situation that we would love to use it for, but we don't know how to use it. Okay. And so over the next couple of weeks, we're going to be trying to get that off the ground. I don't know if you listen to Bike Shed. Um, it's one of ThoughtBot's podcasts. But they mentioned how uh, they have a client right now that's using Action Cable for a really cool use case. There's a basically a company that's doing online notaries, which, thank God, someone Ooh, needs to do online lovely. notaries. I know. That sounds so good. <laughs> 
And they're using action cable in order to flip the pages while you're you're online with that notary. Okay. They're using action cable to like real time up to update what page is being flipped on both sides okay. of the application, which I think is really cool. And so I'm really eager to to get that going. I'm just curious, have you come across any use cases for action cable yet? So I've used things that um like action cable is supposed to solve but i've never used like action cable itself if that makes sense so i mean i've used like pusher you know which is a uh, a service um that you can pay for that ultimately solves this problem but i've never used action cable uh on my own in part because of um at the time when i made the decision to use pusher at least the deployment the deployment situation wasn't super cool uh for you know wanting to do web sockets within a rails app um and so at the time i was just like okay well you know i'll just use this external service and it'll take care of what i need to um and then i don't have to worry about sort of you know massaging heroku into into being comfortable with this or uh or whatnot but i know that since uh since that and since action cable sort of uh joined rails and has gotten a little bit more comfortable that's been less of a concern you know and is definitely something that is a, a lot more um uh, concrete, but I haven't, I haven't personally, uh, used it, uh, in, in part because, you know, the full-time gig being <laughs> something that would, would roll its own thing most likely. But, um, but yeah, no, I mean, I, I'd love to, I'd love to hear more about, uh, you know, your experience in, in getting it deployed and getting it run. Cause I feel like the tricky bit is always sort of, at least with most of this web sockets, most of the time when you're using web sockets and you're, and you're running a server that isn't really multi-threaded or mm-hmm. uh, isn't really prepared for this, like that tends to be the problem, you know? Um, but, uh, but it, it, it's something that I, I totally like agree with rails wanting to make more simple to use because mm-hmm. it's just such a necessary thing for most web applications nowadays, you know? Yes, um, absolutely. So you're going to have to roll something. And so while it does add some, you know, quote unquote bloat to rails, I think that it's, you know, rails is trying to sort of acknowledge that, Oh, well this sort of thing is like, you know, a package away in in node and so like why not make it such why not make it such in in rails as well absolutely so what we're trying to do basically is create this like basically this interactive art piece where it's going to show like a locality in your city and so you're going to see this art piece and then you're going to pull up the website on your phone and we're going to have forms where you can privately submit like a mental illness that might be affecting you or a relation of yours. And as those are getting reported, we're going to be updating that map. And so you don't want to have the map sitting there, you know, auto refreshing that that's not a good experience for the user. And so we're going to be doing some interesting stuff in the back end to make sure that we don't have users abusing it by like submitting multiple, multiple Mm -hmm. times. Yeah. But then, you know, our feedback, which I love working. So the nonprofit that we're working with, the the person we're working with is a designer himself. And so I really like working with people that, that kind of get it. Yeah. Um, but he wants when a new submission gets added onto this interact interactive map to make it look juicy. And so that is definitely <laughs> going to be a fun challenge for us because oh, so, so as you know, I'm very much a back end uh, web developer. You know, I, I like back end because I feel like when it's right, it's right. And I feel like it's fun <laughs> to test. And so that is like the fun in front end is because 
how do you define what juicy means? You know, that's so funny. It's so opinionated. So I, I find it so fun. And so it'll be it'll be fun to work with him. But I think getting Action Cable off the ground and being able to get those real time updates are going to be really cool because what we want to do is, you know, we sell theater tickets for a living. Mm-hmm. And so we want to be able to show you an interactive seat map and be able to stream seats getting selected and dropped as people abandon cart or, mm-hmm. you know, have a bad credit card. And so I'd love to see a situation where we get Action Cable into production. And if it doesn't have to be Action Cable, I'd be interested in doing some sort of web sockety thing. Sure. But my my thing has always been if Rails is going to support it naturally, then I want to go that way just because I really do believe in the core team. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I want I want to use Rails, you know, as much as I possibly can, though I have not been converted to mini test yet. I might need to check out (laughs) mini test. I've still been an R spec gal this whole time. But um, yeah, it should be really fun. I, you know, and. I have a really great work environment where we told my boss, like, can we have like a couple days to to test this out? And he was completely cool with it. So do you get to do like hack days yeah. at GitHub? Yeah. So um, it's, I want to say it's like a, about once a quarter uh, okay. and it's a hack week. Um, oh, and wow. So, <laughs> and so for a week, you get to basically work on whatever you want, but it should be um, like related to work like if that makes sense like you shouldn't build something that's completely random it should be something that's like a part of the github ecosystem you know um of things uh but you pick a you pick a a, at least a pair uh and sometimes the teams are larger than that um and you build a feature so there's been some features that have come out that um you know have come out of hack week where like some back-end devs will will work on a more front-endy feature um you know or uh or sort of sometimes the other way around and uh like one of the features was like the better blame where you can kind of like hover over a line and just like blame backwards on changes instead of having to kind of like go back 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 by commit it'll kind of just track like when the change was made and that ended up happening um by two folks that like that that wouldn't have been their normal work uh and so it went out during one hack week and i think the next hack week potentially it got finished up um and then it went live uh and so those have been those have been pretty fun um i will say that uh, sometimes uh being a manager of, of of multiple teams now it becomes a little bit harder to take part in hack week because i'm also trying to keep the rest of the things afloat so the team can can do their hacks um but most of my uh, hacking has been around um, our webhook delivery system, uh, where doing something a little bit similar because I've wanted to make it so that you could, for example, like receive um, uh, receive events over streams, you know, and, and WebSockets is one way to do that. Uh, so I did a I did a proof of concept a while ago using our internal WebSocket server. Um, to do to do something along those lines and and yeah i mean that's that's fun i think that you know we have sometimes where even outside of hack weeks where folks want to do something that's a little bit more time boxed you know like i want to go investigate what it would be like to do dot 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 uh and i need a week or two weeks or three weeks and i've generally found that as long as it's clear what the objective is because you can't really say like at the end we're going to have a websocket server that does dot 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 you know but you can say like you know we we will be able to make a a make a decision or a plan on how um how how our app could use websockets that tends to be something that's a lot more tangible and measurable and generally works well for managers and you know the developers because then you have more leeway to decide like 
oh crap like two days in you realize like this that your action cable approach is just not gonna work yeah it's gonna be too much work <laughs> and eff it this sucks and instead of just being like hey i'm two days in and this thing sucks and we're never gonna use this um instead being able to just say you know oh and we decided to go try out you know a service instead and the service is gonna help us do this and look we can still do what we want um so you know focusing on you know the, the objective uh, has, has seemed to be a, a better way to do hacks, even if it's not sort of a scheduled hack week or 20% time or hack day or uh, whatever, because I know companies have, a, 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 you know, a lot of different ways to sort of tackle that problem. Well, I think that's been a common theme lately is because, you know, companies want to hold on to their developers and they want to recruit new developers. And so this whole concept of having a hack day or hack week or even a hack weekend is interesting. And I, I like what you're saying about how it's it's boxed. It's not anything random in the world. You know, I'm not a huge fan of hackathons where the projects end up being ephemeral. Yeah. I, I like it when there's a continuation. The only problem with that is it limits how many hackathons I'll participate in because I, I tend to go into hackathons with the intention of continuing, continuing mm -hmm. the project if I can. But um, yeah, I like the idea of just taking a day to just even see if something's possible. And I think that's a huge part of even just being a developer. I mean, there's definitely been days where I've been investigating something and going down one path and, you know, realizing it's completely outrageous and you should never do that. <laughs> uh, completely having to, to take a 180. And I just enjoy a lot of the work, a lot of the places I've worked at have viewed that at, that investigation is really important mm -hmm. to make sure that, you know, we don't make a bad decision and get trapped in it for years to come. Yeah, I think that one, one other sort of interesting benefit of being at a larger uh, you know benefit being in italics i guess but being in a larger organization is that um it's it's relatively easy to move around the organization which kind of gives you like a, like i don't use hackathons for example anymore as like oh i want to kind of release some steam and and try out this brand new thing because i'm sick of working what on what i'm working on but i don't really have a choice um into you know oh, like I can move around and, and I can work on the front end of the app now for, you know, nine months or a year or two years or whatever. Um, you know, being able to sort of move around the organization kind of has helped uh, me and I know other developers um, at GitHub uh, release some of that sort of like stagnant steam that you get when you just kind of have no choice but to work on one thing. But I know that <laughs> that's a benefit that larger organizations can tend to provide because you can move people around and other people want to move. But when you're in a duo or a small yes. team, I know <laughs> I know life isn't that uh, simple uh, to just say, I want to go work on this other thing. And your boss is like, uh, no, because <laughs> yeah, you are our dot, dot, dot person. And we need <laughs> you to do that. Let me, let me make my uh, Hamilton reference. We've got Hamilton coming is basically oh, going to really? be what I'm told. <laughs> So I got funny. my mention in, folks. <laughs> I know. <laughs> and, I, and I have finally seen Hamilton. Oh, uh, okay. Well, yeah. you're ahead of me then. <laughs> yeah. My wife and I went to Broadway. Uh, we bought tickets like forever ago, like I mentioned, and we finally went um, in May. Um, and it was great. Okay. Uh, so completely worth it? Worth the hype? Um, <laughs> I think it was good. Um, okay, you heard it here, folks. <laughs> uh, uh, and I know that I will get the flack of a million sons for that, but my wife absolutely loved it. She's a huge Hamilton fan. She loved it. She had some criticisms and praise for different cast members that weren't from the original cast and that sort of thing. Um, I thought it was a very good show, um, a very smart show. Um, 
but I I didn't I I didn't leave with the sort of hysteria that Hamilton uh, has. Like I think it's very I think it's awesome for what it did. You know, um, mm-hmm. it just isn't my. Um, uh, Cup of tea. The, the, yeah, the, the the way the story is presented, I should be mm-hmm. clear because I don't want to sound like I'm like just getting rid of it, but like uh, the way the story is presented is, um, it's not like a normal Broadway musical, I guess. You know, okay. and I don't mean like the music or the rapping or whatever. I thought that was awesome. I mean, in this, the music and the lyrics and and the sort of um, uh, artistry of all that is awesome, but the story itself is very. Uh, I think kind of like arbitrarily put in uh, oh. to kind of like, look, this is a show and we are going to show this man's life and it's <laughs> over and we're done now. Do you know, it's kind of yes. hard to explain, but it's just, no, like, I'm following. It's kind of like, okay, g- cool. Like, you know, but, um, but anyway, before, before my wife uh, hears this and, and decides <laughs> to come slamming post in. <laughs> a rebuttal podcast about this, uh, but no, it was very, very good. So, oh, so good. yeah. Okay. <laughs> so Hamilton's coming, Hamilton's coming towards you uh, very soon. Yes. Yes. I know. I think we're on the same tour year because I think Hartford's getting it um, next year or the year after. I forget. But oh, that's exciting. Anyway, <laughs> cool. But um, yes. But going back to your point, you know, uh, yes, I do get to do some exploration at work. But yes, because Hamilton's coming. <laughs> yeah, kind of, kind of focused on that. Yeah, I'm curious to see. Like, it's very, it's very interesting. Like, I, I tried to buy tickets for. Um, a, a podcast tour um oh, that's cool. going around the midwest and so um uh, i really enjoy my brother my brother and me uh, as oh. a podcast and they are um coming to chicago milwaukee and minneapolis um in november and so uh, me and a friend decided to fly out and basically like road trip between those three cities over three days and just see the show each night um but it opened my eyes and i thought of you a lot because two of the shows were Ticketmaster. Which oh. is kind of like, I, I know, so I'm sorry telling you this from a, <laughs> a small arts group, but I, I my, my point No, being, no, it, it's the big player. Yeah, you know? my, my point being primarily that, like, Ticketmaster is not going to scoff at this. You know, no. like, this is all they do. Their bread and butter is Super Bowl's size traffic every yes. day at noon or whatever yes. or whatever time. Uh, and so that's, like, no big deal. Beaver's but th- coming. <laughs> yeah, right. It, but there was a um, a smaller theater, and I forget what city it was in, uh, that had their own thing. Uh, and uh, same thing, I believe, with the Wilbur Theater in Boston. Like, they have their own thing. And, and I feel like it's such an interesting problem because I would imagine, I'd love to hear from your experience that, like, mm-hmm. the... I don't know. I guess I would say I would sort of expect the shows to potentially be unpredictable in the amount of traffic that they will generate at any mm-hmm. given time. Be, unless unless you, I guess, maybe really understand the fan base or whatever. But, like, it's rare. Like, GitHub, for example, is very has a very predictable amount of traffic. Monday has the most traffic and Sunday has the least traffic. And you can basically go Monday to Sunday and it goes down, 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 down. I would not have guessed Monday. Yeah, if, Monday, Monday morning what? at noon, I would say. That's <laughs> noon, bizarre. Uh, noon Eastern, 9 Pacific. Huh. Um and so it goes down and down and down over the course of the over the course of the week. And okay. uh, when I used to work in a financial app, it was um, basically January first, right? January first gets crazy because everyone wants to come in and correct their life and fix their finances. And then over the year, the traffic goes down until January first comes up. 
But then I'm thinking things like Shopify, theaters, mm. ticket apps, where like you don't know. Like mm-hmm. at any given moment, you could have a stampede because you don't have complete control basically over everything yep. um, or you don't have a complete visibility. So anyway, enough, enough about what I'm thinking. But I'm curious from your experience, like do you sort of have those sort of stampedes that come in and how do you handle that given that it's a relatively small uh, technology, you know, shop that's keeping these things going? No, that's a great question. So one of the features that I built um, was an RSS feed that essentially every time a new event is published, the on-sale date and the pre-sale date and all of that information is, is posted to us. And so we have a calendar of just when all of those on-sales are going to be. But we do take bets on whether or not one show is going to sell out another. It's quite fun because sometimes you just don't know because something might be big in one market and totally flop in Pittsburgh. Actually, Pittsburgh is a fan favorite across all the Broadway shows or across all shows because we tend to buy a lot of tickets that people don't buy. Um, Cheers, the musical came to us. Well, it was supposed to come to us. It opened one night in Chicago and immediately the entire tour got shut down. But it was selling well in Pittsburgh. (laughs) (laughs) You were allowed to come on stage and have a beer with the uh, the cast, which I thought was really bizarre for a VIP ticket. Oh, uh, can we call the show out or no? Oh, yeah, it was called Cheers. Like, Cheers, Cheers, Cheers. Okay, the okay. TV, okay. like, was a musical. Yeah, it's okay, gone. Okay. Yeah, it's gone. So I'm sorry, because I saw I saw once, and it was the same thing, actually. Oh, cool. You could go okay. buy beer on stage. So I wasn't sure if it was the same show, but at that, I thought it was ridiculously novel as well. Anyway. I thought that was a neat idea. But um, but anyway, we use the service that we really like. It's called Qit, And essentially, it is a a waiting room that we can apply to certain events on our oh, on our platform. Awesome. Okay. And so it's it's simply a JavaScript snippet that we can add into our web pages that will grab people and put them in a waiting list. Now, I'm actually going to be implementing a new feature with Qit. They just came out with a Ruby on Rails library in the last two weeks. Oh, wow. And so this would enable us to know, it's called like known user, okay. and it would enable us to know who that person is throughout our website. And so- okay. Basically, anything we can do to keep our eye on super patrons or scalpers is very exciting. Yeah, so that yeah. definitely enables us to to scale up and down. And of course, we use AWS. So, you know, mm-hmm. when we get hit unexpectedly, we just scale up. Yeah. And so that has worked quite well for us. Awesome. Yes. Awesome. All right. Uh, are we going to talk before your, your talk? No. Uh, right. my, my talk is next week. So please wish me luck. All right. Uh, you're going to do great. Uh, Thank you. Keep an eye uh, for a viral video of a lunatic who (laughs) fell over in skates. (laughs) Oh, man. You'll do great. You'll do great. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. Please come back. Report back. I'd love to hear. I'd love to hear how uh, I think it would be actually a really great thing for us to chat about how it went, what your experience was in prep, what you thought worked well, what you didn't. because I think that's something that a lot of folks, uh, it, it seems like it's conference season right now, right? Like I think, um, at the end of, excuse me, at the end of summer into, into fall, fall, I feel like gets super busy. Um, so folks are probably preparing for their CFPs or giving talks. So it will be good to go Definitely. over. Definitely. So I want to tell the listeners out there, if you in any way are thinking about talking, you definitely have something interesting to say. I mean, look, I managed to make roller derby into a talk. Like, you can do this. (laughs) So please apply. Like, we need to get new voices out there. So please apply. We want want to hear talks from you. And I think some of the best talks that I've seen, to be 
honest, have been the ones that are a mixture of this is my life and this is how it relates to technology. Yes. Um, you know, um, like Kiwi McMinn, who, who works at GitHub, has done a, a, a lot of talks around um, her cycling career and an injury she uh, endured and how that sort of relates to working on working at technology companies or working on software. And so I think that there's a, a lot of folks out there that can basically say this is something I've experienced or I've, you know, I've played on a team or I've done a roller derby, like you said, uh, and this is how it relates to what I'm doing. I think, I think that's a great way to kind of get yourself started, especially if you're uncomfortable giving a straight up, like, here's an algorithm I've determined and blah, 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 <laughs> sort of talk. Completely agreed. Well, it was great catching up with you, Kyle, and I look forward to talking again. All right. Good luck, Britt. Good night.